we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for March 18th, 2012. Next article, continuing on the same theme. Glenn Beck Goes Global meets with the Catholic clergy and the International Tea Party leaders in Rome. So now we're going to see how Glenn Beck figures into this whole scenario that we've been talking about today. Now, if I could only give you one isolated incidence of this happening, I really couldn't paint a very strong case for this ecumenical push toward unity with the Roman Catholic Church. But when I can give you week after week after week, of course I don't focus on this every week, but as of late I've really been focusing on this a lot more because I see this being the main trap, the main most flagrant in-your-face trap that a lot of people aren't seeing. When I can give you repeated documentation over and over from their mouths, not mine, not my opinion, and all the facts start cross-confirming and start pointing in the same direction. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses a thing is established. Well, how about out of the mouth of about, you know, hundred? Because at this point, it's just every week. It's more and more and more evidence pointing in this direction. They're getting more flagrant. They're totally unapologetic. And there's no condemnation of the Catholic Church. Only propagation of its doctrines pointing to its false prophets and many other things that they're doing. But no condemnation, no. This article starts out by saying the political disclosure has been dominated by the religious liberty debate that continues to intensify between the Catholic Church and the Obama administration. Now notice, Obama is being used and the Democratic people in power are being used to polarize it's like it's being portrayed as this battle between good and evil. Yes, Obama and many of these Democrats, definitely, 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 their agenda is much more overtly evil. No doubt. But what's been happening and how I believe this is being used is to get all of us, born-again Christians and every other flavor of Christians in between, to all get on the same page with the Catholic Church and all get in unity with them and unite under the common ground on things we can agree upon. This is no different. So, this debate continues to intensify between the Catholic Church and the Obama administration, an issue that Glenn Beck, the Mormon, has tackled quite frequently on his radio and television programs. This weekend, The Blaze has confirmed that Beck flew from Miami to Rome, where he had meetings with prominent Catholic Church leaders. In addition to holding discussions with them about important religious freedom issues, Beck also met with individuals from various countries to discuss the creation of an international Tea Party movement. Wow, and there's all these pictures here of Beck with this, these black-robed devils. And he looks, you know, to me, he's got this smug little feigning humility look on his face. Like, oh, he's in such reverence of these great, Men of Satan. I mean, they would say of God, but I say of Satan. And, you know, it's just sickening, this look he has on his face. I mean, I think it, it, it looks like he's, it's everything he can do just not, to, not down, to bow down and lick their boots, essentially. It really is disgusting. During his dialogue with cardinals, monsignors, archbishops, and other Catholic leaders, the popular host pledged support for the church, while also discussing ways in which members of various faith communities can join in solidarity against secular attacks against religion. 
notice the exact same theme. Voice of the Martyrs did the same thing. Oh, they're being persecuted. They call themselves Christians, therefore they are. It doesn't matter if they if they believe in a false religion or if they're if they're condemning people to a fiery hell for eternity and then the lake of fire. No, that doesn't matter. He was discussing well, no, he discussed pledge support for the church, meaning the Catholic Church. And he, and, dis, and he discussed ways in which members of various faith communities can join in solidarity. The exact thing the Bible warns about, not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, to come out from among them and be not partakers of their plagues. The exact thing the Bible warns about over and over, to not be not deceived, Jesus said during the end times about false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing, hirelings that have no true love for the sheep, ministers of righteousness that are actually ministers of Satan. All these things the Bible warns about, guess what? All of these major, major people in ministry and now even in the geopolitical area like Glenn Beck and these are pointing people and making sure that we need to understand, we need to yoke up with them, we need to all come together in solidarity because if we don't do this, the wicked Obama administration is going to overcome us. Obama's wicked, no doubt. But I'm not getting in lockstep with unbelievers. I won't do it. I will still continue to expose them. What good is it if I get yoked up with the the Catholic Church and go to hell? What what, what, what good have I done? Well, they're saying there's there's you know they're all we're all in this together. We're all going to heaven. We're all going to heaven. The whole world, uh, particularly anybody that identified themselves as Christian in any way, shape, or form, Catholics included. So let's all get in solidarity. That's that's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. As evidenced through his work, Beck has long encouraged people of all faiths to stand together, distinct and separate in their beliefs, but united in their support of everyone to practice those ideals without persecution. The exact same agenda and platform that Voice of the Martyrs is using, that Steve Quayle, he admires them for their stance on abortion. Well, let's let's not look at what what divides us. Let's look at what unites us and focus in on those things. Even though there's no Bible for any of that. None. It's a slippery slope that will lead to hell. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness. And what concord, meaning agreement, hath Christ with Belial, also meaning the devil, and here, right here, in what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Believeth on what? Believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ. The true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus Christ. Well, who's an infidel? A non-believer in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Islam would call an infidel a non-believer in Islam. But in the Bible, an infidel is referred to as those that are non-believers in the New Testament gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, essentially. Well, Catholics don't believe that. Anglicans don't believe that. Many of the mon- most of the modern mainstream, they, though they can profess, you know, they they praise me with their lips, but you know, they deny me by their actions. Essentially, they're works based. You earn your way to heaven in these other Christian pseudo-cults. The vast majority of them. Catholics being at the very top of the list. 
So what part of he that believeth on Jesus Christ, essentially, with an infidel? There is none. We shouldn't be in unity with them. And what agreement have the temple of God with idols? This is how God views it. When you yoke up with them, it's like you're viewing, you're in agreement with the temple of God with idols. For ye are the temple of the living God. See, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes down and lives inside us. Before salvation came through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in the Holy of Holies in the temple, that's where the Holy Spirit dwelt. Okay, at least in that particular time era. But when Jesus Christ, the veil from the temple was rent from top to bottom, torn from top to bottom. When people became born again Bible-believing Christians, then the Holy Spirit dwelt within the believer. We are the temple of the living God now. That's why it says, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Hath God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. What if we are touching the unclean thing? What if we're not coming out from among these infidels and not being separate? Then God's not going to receive us. Now, I'm not saying it makes you, if you're truly born again saved, I'm not saying it makes you unsaved, but you, your, your communication with God, your walk with God, everything from a Christian standpoint is going to be mega, mega hindered. And you will be chastened of God if you are truly saved. Because whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. Then you're not even saved. So if you could go and yoke up with a Catholic and feel no conviction of sin and go on your merry way and, and yoke up and maybe even convert, you were never saved. You had, you had no chastening of God on your life. If he's your kid, if you're his child, then he can spank you. That's chastening. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. That's what Tom Horn needs to be saying. Steve Quayle, Chris Putnam, Schuler, Paul Crouch. But none of them, I don't see any of them saying it. I don't see them saying it. I, I could care less about their opinions. I'm focused in on the word of God. The, the, the standard, the, the standard for living. The standard for a Christian's life. The, rule, the guidebook of a Christian. He views them as an unclean thing. If we're with them, then it's like touching the unclean thing. Uh, and then going back to the story, Beck met with Tea Party leaders from Rome, Serbia, Milan, Germany, Austria, and London, among other localities, to begin discussing the international coalition that is being headed by FreedomWorks. Notice this, okay, everything's moving toward this international, global, uniting, it's all by design, it's going to all facilitate the birth of the one world religion under Antichrist and false prophet. And this is just setting the stage for all of that. Reflecting the ideals held by peace and freedom, proponents in America, the persons involved, discuss their goals for an integrated global effort to champion Tea Party ideals. On his radio show on Monday, Beck will be sharing all of the details surrounding his meetings with the church leaders and international Tea Party groups and also delving into his vision for a multi-faith coalition that stands in support of religious liberty. You think this guy isn't an agent of Satan. I mean, you need to really rethink things. His vision for a multi-faith coalition 
I mean, this guy's a, a, a Mormon. He's nothing more than a Luciferian. Most likely, a closet Luciferian. He wants to get all the faiths together and support in religious liberty. See, that's, well, yeah, but, but if they're being persecuted, we need to unite with them. No, no, we don't. I'm not for persecution, but I'm not going to unite with them. I'm not going to be unequally yoked. I'm not going to touch the unclean thing. I'm not going to come in agreement with an infidel. Why? Because the Bible says not to do it. And that's all that really matters. All of this other stuff is just people's opinion. Well, I don't really think that. There's really born-again Catholics. Oh, really? That's your opinion? Yeah. And who gave you that opinion? Was it Jesus Christ? It seems to be contradictory to the Word of God. Believing in a religion based on works and to get you into heaven. Yes, but God, God's a loving God. He would never, well, you know. Yes, God's a loving God, but he lays out clear guidelines on how to get saved and that there is another gospel and that is another gospel that's being preached. And if it says, though we are an angel from heaven preached you another gospel, let him be accursed. Here is two more pictures of good old Glenn Beck meeting with, it looks like in this unbelievably ornate Roman, looks to be Catholic dining area. And then good old Glenn Beck and his wife walking, he's walking with a cane. Through, it looks like Vatican City. It's really, truly disgusting. I wonder if he had a private audience with the Pope. I wonder if he got to kiss his ring. Did he get one of the Vatican's new toiletry items, the Pope on a rope? I'm wondering if he got the signature flagship edition. Maybe a gold-plated soap on a rope. Anyway, going back to the article, these meetings with Catholic leaders are the latest in a series of discussions that Beck has had with numerous faith leaders, including... Evangelical pastors and rabbis, among others. His efforts to connect these theological diverse individuals reflect his desire to bring adherents from various faith traditions together to support religious liberty here in America and abroad. Oh, it doesn't this all sound wonderful? We are not battling for the next election. We're battling for the very soul of, of each of us in our nation, he recently proclaimed on Glenn Beck TV. So we're battling for the very soul of each of us. So I guess this is a salvation issue. It really is, because, you know, you get yoked up with this garbage. Um, you know, particularly if you're not a, a real Christian, if you're, if you're not a born-again Christian, you get yoked up with this garbage, there's probably very little hope you're ever actually going to get saved. Unless God, you know, unless the wake-up call from God comes and you, you can get your eyes open but the problem is, is the longer you stay in movements like this, the more spiritually blinded you become. That is a natural byproduct of staying in a heretical movement. You get blinded to the truth. You have eyes, but you cannot see. Ears, but you cannot hear. That's what happens. You become hardened. Your conscience becomes seared with a hot iron eventually. You give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And you don't see it happening because it's happening spiritually. That's why it's so dangerous. If you saw what was happening spiritually, you'd probably shriek back and whore and, and, and repent, and, but you can't see it. And it's subtle, and it just doesn't happen all at once. So, again, that's why I warn people. Religious liberty is becoming an issue of great importance across the globe. As Christians, Jews, and Muslims... I love how they throw on Muslims. And other faith traditions grapple 
with an increasingly hostile clash with atheist and free-thinking community. Oh yeah, the Muslims are really being persecuted. Those poor Muslims, everywhere, no, actually it's the exact opposite. Everywhere they go and gain any kind of prominence of power, they turn into the devils they invariably are, because most of them are just demon-infested. And the Quran says to kill and slay the infidel. And the people of the Muslim faith that are being fundamental to their faith, they will obey the Quran, which tells them to kill and slay the infidel and drive the Jew into the sea. So, I I, I find it really, when Muslims are one of the biggest persecutors on planet Earth, wherever they gain any kind of population foothold. I gave you that one time when the, when the Muslims are 5% of the population, they do this. When they get to 10%, they do this. And it's always more and more aggressive. It's because it's, they know they can get away with it when their numbers are that great. Look at how, it's, look how well it's turned out for France now, where, where they've got these Muslim centers. I've reported on that many times. They're seen firsthand. They're the ones that persecute people. <laughs> Firing thousands of rockets at Israel all the time. I keep reading more and more reports about that. I mean, they've got to have bomb, bomb things and bomb shelters everywhere in certain parts of Israel because the Muslims are always firing rockets over there. I mean, they showed this one where they had this basketball court and there was this bomb shelter right near there because they could be playing basketball, the, the alarms go off because the rockets are flying in. they got to go in the bomb shelter all the time, all day long, all night. What a fun way to live. But no, it's just it's just the Jews that are persecuting the Muslims. That's what it is. I'm not saying the Zionists are perfect. I'm not saying that. Okay, I'm not saying the people at the top who call themselves Jews, but as the Bible refers to, they are the synagogue of Satan. They call themselves Jews, but they're really not. I'm not saying they're great people either. Okay, I'm just saying that the Muslims have a undeniable, irrefutable history of being terrorists and terrorizing any infidel group that they deem as infidels, and all an infidel is to them is a non-believer in Islam, and particularly focusing in on the Jews. So I find this really ironic that they include Muslims in here, of, of people, like, yeah, the atheists are really persecuting the Muslims. Right. Additionally, governmental policies are in many ways beginning to mirror secularist ideas, secularist ideas. That tend, in their views of many religious peoples and institutions, to threaten spiritual expression. My comment. True, but this is the carrot. The ex- and the excuse that Satan is offering to Christians to justify them yoking up with these false cults and religions. Let me read that again. Why I said that comment. Additionally, governmental policies are in many ways beginning to mirror secularist ideas like a secular idea, a worldly idea, that tend in views of many religious peoples and institutions to threaten spiritual expression. Yes, the government is becoming that very thing, no doubt. But this is the carrot or the excuse that Satan is offering to the Christians to justify them yoking up with false cults and religions. One of the carrots, one of the excuses. So, going back to the article, it says, The examples are limitless. Earlier this month, England's high court found prayer before local council meetings to be unlawful. And last week, Baroness Saida Warsi, a Muslim, who was also a British cabinet member, maintained that Europe is being threatened by militant secularism. 
that's like Satan coming out and saying, you know, it's getting really bad. You know, because of the government. Dude, you're in a death cult. You worship the moon god. If you were being fundamental to your faith, you would should be trying to kill me. Because it says kill and slay the infidels. And yet, you're going to give me a, uh, a lecture on ethics and tell me how wicked the government is? Spare me, please. Consider in New York, churches battle for the right to rent public school buildings. Incessant attacks on the Ten Commandment displays and secularists are never-ending efforts to force churches to violate their consciences. Well, if they wouldn't have yoked up with the government and the IRS to their 501c3 corporate status, you know, they wouldn't be in such a quandary. Beck's coalition is coming at an appropriate time. Oh boy, I, I know. It couldn't be a moment too, not a moment later, it's not a moment too soon that, that Beck, Glenn Beck to the rescue. But that's exactly the kind of thing they want to portray. Okay, so next article, and I think this is the, the last one. Yeah, it is. Uh, and this is like the cherry on top of the Sunday, and I entitled this portion "The Sick, Disgusting Pagan Catholic Pope John Paul II Blood Tour." So I know that's a nice little light whimsical title, and uh, here we have a picture of that devil uh, Benedict uh, Pope right now uh, kissing this beautified, as they refer to it, ornate looking. Uh, vial of Pope John Paul II's blood that they extracted from him. Uh, I don't know if it was right when he died or shortly after he died. So, again, a lot of Bible for doing that. A lot of Bible. And um, this, I'm reading from the article. On May 1st, 2011, a ritual was held at the Vatican. And now remember, this is all in the PDF. You can go look at these pictures yourself for uh, 3, March 18th, 2012. Uh, ritual was held in the Vatican for the beautification of the late Pope John Paul II. Is that like a is that like a, a makeover? I mean, did they like you know do one of those what are they called makeovers? Um, what? Oh, the extreme makeovers. It's like the extreme makeover, like but this time it's for a corpse. Is it like an extreme makeover for a corpse when they beautify somebody? I know when they canonize somebody, they blow them out of, like those cannons they have the carnivals. At the circuses, they blow them out of the cannon. That means to be canonized. They're just kidding. Anyway, during the service, the current Pope kissed a vial of blood of his predecessor. Again, a real hallmark moment. The Vatican declared the blood a relic for veneration. Wow. I guess that's what death cults do, though. I mean, you know, they're funny that way. Now the blood is on a world tour. Do you know how many tours the Catholic Church has of disgusting garbage like this. They've got tours where the guy's whole corpse is being uh, toured around the planet, where like, the other story I didn't even have time to put in here, this one guy's heart is being shipped all over the place and all these Catholics come and worship it and bow down and, you know, Bowing down to idols, it's just part of the Catholic deal. It's part of the Catholic experience, I should say. This garbage goes on 24-7, 365 days a year, globally. 
And hey, when you when you've been around since 318 AD, you got a lot of dead body parts that you could fly around the planet. There's no shortage of dead body parts. There's an abundance of them. And the more people die, the more dead body parts they can fly around and that you can worship and venerate. And that they take a lot of these dead body parts, like, you know, old toes of different Catholic monks and these types of things, and they actually insert them into the the altars of the Catholic churches. This is part of, of a Catholic church being a Catholic church. Each church has its own disgusting, like, dead relic somewhere buried, usually in the, in the altar area of every Catholic church, from what I've seen, from the research I've seen. So again, I see a lot of Bible for doing that, taking dead body parts and, you know, making sure that they're uh, cleverly placed and hidden in different parts of the church. Yeah. Uh... The blood was most recently on tour in Colombia. According to the Catholic News Agency, the blood would be on display for veneration, which means adoration and worship. From January 2nd to January 22nd in the cities of Bogota and Cartago. According to Father Slaomir Odir, the postulator of John Paul II's cause for canonization and custodian of this of the blood relic, he said, quote, his blood is the symbol of life. Life given for God and for others in its presence reminds us of the Christian vocation to spend one's life loving God and neighbor. Isn't that special? Did you know what Good old John Paul II's previous vocation was, before he got into the Catholic Church because he was actually on the run, he worked for Nazi Germany. He was a Zyklon B gas salesman. Zyklon B, the gas the, the gas they used in the gas chambers at um, uh, Auschwitz and in uh, various death camps and the Nazi concentration camps. Yeah, he sold that gas. Zyklon B, in particular. He was a salesman. So who knows how many... Jews and, and other races that good old Pope John Paul II was responsible for. I never saw him repent for any of that, but hey, he went, like many of the Nazis after the war, after World War II, they went and they went covert. Some of them went to other countries, some of them changed their identities, whatever it took to, you know, for the cockroaches to conceal their identities. And he got into the Catholic Church and that used that as his cover and eventually rose to the rank of the uh, Pope John Paul II. So yeah, definitely a guy that you would want to take his blood and worship and adore it after he's dead. I mean, you know. So, uh, really, this, this statement, life given for God and for others. And its presence reminds us of the Christian vocation to spend one's life loving God and neighbor. Everything they say are just lies, usually. Whatever they say, just assume it's the exact polar opposite, and that's the exact case here. The presence of the blood in Bogota led to long lines, as pictured below, as the picture below illustrates. This is so disgusting and so sickening for me to see these masses upon masses of people. This line is so long that I can't even imagine how long you'd have to wait in this line. I mean, it might be more than a 24-hour period wait. I don't know how how much time they give you to venerate this disgusting dead blood of 
Pope John Paul II. But if this line is any indication, it might be a 24-hour period before you could even get to view this cursed object from the pit of hell. All these people in this line are going to hell. Every one of them. I don't believe any of them are born again. I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe if you're that darkened, if your mind is that darkened. Now, does that mean I want them to go to hell? No. I pray to God their souls be saved. But I'm sure not going to help anything by saying, oh, yes, you're, you're really a Christian because you believe on Jesus. You believe in Jesus, right? Yeah. Well, so the devils believe on Jesus, the Bible says, and they tremble. They do, too. The demons and devils know exactly who Jesus Christ is. When he came to that maniac, the devils inside the maniac said, when he said, what's your name? He said, we are legion for your many. And they said, have you come to us to torment us before the time? Probably before the time they get thrown into the lake of fire is what they're in reference to. They knew his name. So that, that's no, you know, great stretch. It's sickening, just absolutely sickening to see this line of these duped, poor duped people in this false religion. The blood was in Mexico last August, according to Newstimes.com, in an article titled, Can John Paul II... This is so disgusting. Can John Paul II bring hope to Mexico? Can his corpse's blood bring hope to Mexico? And what Catholics leaders pray can help end Mexico's tribulation of gangland slaughter. The late Pope John Paul II, or rather a bit of his blood, has begun a tour of the country. So they're parading this cursed object around in veneration and thinking that's going to end the gangland slaughters and all their troubles. What in a front an abomination to God. I don't know how God just doesn't wipe this planet out. I really don't. I, I, I can't imagine his patience, his grace, his mercy. I can't even imagine. Because if he wiped the whole planet out, including myself, I couldn't, I couldn't, the only thing I could appeal to is through the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Not of my own righteousness. Not by works of righteousness which I have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, as the Bible says. I mean, this is just so disgusting. And this has to be so incredibly offensive to God. If I'm this offended over this, I can't imagine how the Lord Jesus Christ, how Father God must feel. Or the Holy Spirit. That's why I said the Catholics take it to a whole other level. Talk about taking it up a notch. When it comes to blasphemy, specifically against Jesus Christ, there is no other cult on the planet, I think, that takes it to the riding on the coattails of Jesus Christ. You know, trying to say, we're the vicar of Christ. We're representative of Jesus Christ. We're the mother church. We're this. We're that. And they're anything but that. And then they do this. And this goes on all over the planet. These parading around of these disgusting relics. Colossians 1.12-14 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, 
in whom we have redemption through his blood, not Pope John Paul II's disgusting corpse blood, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, even the forgiveness of sins. That's the only blood that we should be venerating or trusting in. Not some dead guy's blood. Revelation 1.5 And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our own sins in his own blood. That's how we get washed from our own sins. In the blood of Jesus Christ. Not in the blood of John Paul II or any other person that ever walked the earth. Other than Jesus Christ. Now, I've done this whole thing about these gangland slains and all the misery Mexico's in. Well, you don't need to look any farther than my three-part teaching I did on that very subject. And it's entitled, Witchcraft in Mexico, the Sanat Muerte Death Cult, which is basically they worship the angel of death, the Grim Reaper down there. That's like their main deity, or one of the main deities they worship. And they amalgamate it, incorporate it into the Catholic Church worship, which is exactly what voodoo does in Haiti, and a lot of these other cults, like Santeria, and a lot of these other overtly satanic uh, cults in the Caribbean countries and in the um, South America and Central America. They all do that. Why? Because it's very easy to incorporate pagan, idolatrous cult practices into the Catholic religion because they're doing the same thing. It's just a different, it's just like, you know, the more the merrier. Bring it all in. Bring all of this satanic worship in. It's very compatible. Why? Because Catholicism has their own idolatrous system set up. And so it's easy to amalgamate. Anyway, it's entitled Witchcraft in Mexico, the Sonata Muerte Death Cult, Catholic Skull Worship, and the Catholic Inquisitions. Kind of cover it all there. So you can click on that as page, on page 20 of the PDF for this teaching. Going back to this article, several thousand believers filed Thursday past a small crystal capsule holding the blood at Mexico City's Basilica of the Virgin of Guadalupe. Ground zero of this country's Catholic faith. Extracted from John Paul shortly before his death in 2005, the blood rests in the folded hands of a glass-enclosed wax effigy of the pontiff. Can anything be more creepy? I don't know of too many things more creepy. So I'm looking at this disgusting uh, glass case. All these people thronged around it. These deluded, demon-infested people thronging around this wax effigy of John Paul II, and in his folded hands he's holding this piece of, uh, this portion of his blood. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is like, uh, this is almost like a joke. This is almost like if somebody would be looking at that, they're like, no, they're they not really doing that. Are you kidding me? Is, is, this a, is this some kind of sick, twisted joke? No, this is how... They roll. This is how they practice their cult religion. And pass it off as holy. And it's one of the most unholy things you could do. Beyond idolatry. 
What are we as Christians to make of this? I asked that very question to a former Catholic who has now been heading a Christian ministry aimed at bringing the truth to the Catholics of the world. His reply was short and sweet and to the point. Quote, It is all part of the disgusting fruit of Rome, paganism and unregenerate people. End of quote. The man writing the article says, I completely agree. It is disgusting and it is pagan and screams of idolatry. What is the purpose of this tour? It is for the veneration of this relic. Veneration is worship, adoration and awe. Much in the same way the Roman Catholic Church worship and adores their Eucharistic wafer and Mary. Uh, what is it with this Roman Church and the relics? They have so many. Some are claiming to be the actual wood of the cross on which Christ died. Others can be pieces of clothing belonging to their dead saints uh, or saints' dead body parts, fingers, such, heads, or even entire bodies. A monastery in the Sinai Desert, St. Catherine's, claims to possess the still-alive, actual burning bush from which God first spoke to Moses. Yeah, right. Yeah. They got the first burning bush from which God spoke to Moses. Why aren't they uh, showing that one out for to- well, <laughs> for obvious reasons? Because it doesn't exist, uh, or it, they sure you know. Anyway, it did exist, but it, I don't believe it exists now. The Roman Church has hundreds of dead people. They have deemed saints. They venerate Mary. They have thousands of relics all around the world. They have patron saints for almost anything, from carpenters to from carpenters to the internet. Pagan religions have gods and goddesses for almost anything, too. How many members of the Church of Rome have a St. Christopher medal or small statuette of him on their dashboards when they travel in order to be kept from harm when they're driving? That's what that St. Christopher thing is. Of course, those are all good luck charms. Yeah, and they're all cursed objects, too which are no different than what the pagan world uses. What do these do but draw attention away from the one who we must worship? All of this praying to Mary, to dead people, to statues and relics, draws away people from God, not toward him. And is it any wonder God said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me? Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth? That would include a wax effigy of Pope John Paul II. Thou shalt not bow thyself down unto them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord, am a jealous God. That's the, isn't that funny? That's the commandment that the Catholic Church took out, and they split, the, I believe, the ninth of the tenth into two, and then they still got their tenth commandment. Why aren't all the other Protestant religions calling them on that one thing? Oh, no, no, we don't want to judge. No, never. It's pathetic. Truly Pathetic. That is exactly what the Church of Rome is doing. God is not the object of their worship, not all the different things they pray to and adore. Not with all the different things they pray to and adore. God says that he'll share his glory with no no man, no one, no man. But yet they, the least thing they give glory to is God. They give glory to all the pagan things that they do, all the rituals, all the idols, all the things that... But they don't give glory to God. And see, I ended with this article to evidence to you how wicked, evil, and disgusting this death cult is. And yet we have all these other ministries today that we've heard out of their own mouth or their own statements pointing you, my listeners, or anyone else that would hear them or obey them, to this very same sick, disgusting pagan, pedophilic death cult. 
They better repent. They better repent. Or I wouldn't want to be in their shoes, that's all I'm saying. They're on their way to hell, and they're going to take a lot of people to hell. I mean, the way it's looking to me, that's the way it looks. If, if they're not on their way to hell, God forgive me, but that's, I mean, I'm looking at their fruit, I'm looking at their unrepentedness, I'm looking at the fact that a lot of these ministries have been doing this a whole lot of years, uh, you know, and it's getting to the point where I don't know what else to think. And I've held back, like I said, for a long time on, this, on, on some of this information, because I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, some of these ministries, I've been trying to, you know, Give them grace, benefit of the doubt. Okay, maybe they just don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah. But now it's getting more and more and more flagrant, more and more obvious, more and more in your face. And I just can't sit back and just say nothing anymore. Not to say that, you know, I've covered topics that very few people I think get into as far as pastors. It doesn't make me any better than anyone else. But, so, I don't know. I mean, it's not... <laughs> I, I would say pray for them. Pray that they get their eyes open and that they repent. And if they need to get saved, that they get saved. I mean, all I'm saying is that I, I really believe that if I started to come out and get into some heresy like this, I believe God would hammer me. I've been hammered by God for long periods of time because of my own whatever, rebelliousness, or sin. I know what that feels like. I know what the chasing of God feels like. And it is not fun. It is. It can be brutal. You can wish for death to come upon you than bear the chastening of God. It can get so bad. And I don't understand that, I mean, they're doing this stuff and I see no chastening of God. It concerns me. What else could I think? So pray for them. Pray that they stop leading people astray. Pray that God expose them if they're not going to repent. Because God knows the beginning from the end. He knows who's going to repent and who's not. He knows who are, who are, who are actual real agents of Satan. Who are truly wolves in sheep's clothing. Like the Bible says in Jude, where it says that certain men crept in unawares, meaning people weren't aware of them, who were before ordained unto this condemnation. They were before ordained to this condemnation? It was almost like they were born for it. Well, where does the Bible say that? Well, the Bible says that the wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. From the womb? Yeah. Yeah. You know where else it says that? In Hebrews, where it talks about that these are vessels of wrath fitted. That word means, that word means prepared before time. They were vessels of wrath fitted for God's destruction. They were literally created for God's destruction. Vessels of wrath. Well, that doesn't sound fair. You know what? It's not my rule book. It's God's. It's the word of God. I don't really understand all that about being vessels of wrath prepared aforetime for God's destruction, or the wicked going astray from the womb, speaking lies as soon as they be born. But I believe what the Word of God says. 
Men of old, prepare to this condemnation. I don't know. I hope that I'm wrong about some of these people that I've talked about today. I hope and pray to God they do repent. But I'm not the bad guy for calling out the obvious. They can call me the bad guy all day long. They're the ones putting this garbage out. They're the ones propagating this. I'm just repeating what they're already saying. There's no justification for what they're doing. I could care less what their justification is. I've proven today, and I've proven in previous teachings, that there is no justification for pointing people to that death cult. There is none. So you could call me the bad guy all day long. Your argument's not with me, it's with God. Because their fruit is mega, mega obvious, and it's been obvious for thousands of years at this point. The Catholic Church. Rotten to the very core. So I don't feel bad doing this. I have to. If I didn't, I think God would chase me. If I just stood silent and said, eh, I don't want to rock the boat. Huh. Yeah, God will take me to the woodshed. Hardcore. And I would deserve it. So, continuing with this article. Let's see what kind of time we got left. Ooh, I'm about out of time. Uh, God is not the object of the Roman Catholic Church's worship. Not with all the different things they pray to and adore. Those in the Roman Catholic Church must wake up. Again, why aren't these people telling, warning the people in the Roman Catholic Church to wake up? If they truly were concerned for their souls and truly didn't want them to go to hell, why aren't they giving them the real gospel? Why are they saying, oh no, no, there's a lot of born-again, Bible-believing Christians in the Catholic Church. In fact, your Church fathers and Marian apparitions and, and the, these Jesuits, these wonderful Jesuits, they were all great men of God, and we're actually using their prophecies. Actually, we're going to use them to validate what we're doing. So you're all good, you stay there. Well, that's proving to them that they could care less about their souls. They want them to stay right where they're at so that they do go to hell. I, I mean, that's what I think. I mean, you look at, you analyze it, what other conclusion can I come to? Well, yeah, but we would be unpopular if, if we told him the truth. Well, the Bible says, I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth. Galatians 4.16, most of the time, if you tell someone the truth, you will become their enemy. Oh, well, our life is not a popularity contest as a Christian. Do you want their blood on your hands or do you not want their blood on your hands? So those in the Roman Catholic Church must wake up. The truth is not in your church, and unless something happens soon, it, nev- it never will be. No. <laughs> it was corrupt from the beginning. It's never going to have the truth, ever. Ever. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Their foundations were always corrupted. It will never yield anything but rottenness. You couldn't convince me otherwise. There's no way. Your leaders are sending you to hell with their false gospel, their false Christ, and their false salvation. The only way to salvation and eternal life in heaven is through faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Salvation does not come from the Pope or traditions of the Rome of Church, the Church of Rome. Pagan, pagan practices such as those in the Roman Church cannot save a soul or atone for your sins. 
John 14, 6 said, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's it. No amount of confessions to a priest, or worshiping a wafer God, kneeling in front of a statue of Mary, or obeying the teachings of the Roman Church will ever save you. All Catholics must know that they have been led astray by their leadership. They must repent and come to Christ and leave that false religion that has deceived them all these years. Now that's the unvarnished truth. And I love them enough, or my listeners enough, to tell you the truth. Do I prove to you I love you if I lie to you and mollycoddle you and give you lies and tickle your ears? Is that proving I love somebody? It's, it's proving the exact opposite. Now, I give my teaching here, entitled True Salvation, it's a series of teachings that I, I would, would want them to listen to in order, which walks you through all this. And then the, also the teaching I did on Catholic doctrines of devils, which goes into more of a detailed study on some of these specific doctrines of devils and where they originated from and why they're totally unbiblical. So that's all I have for today, and I'm just about out of time, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. I thank you for letting us come together again. Lord, wants to look at unvarnished truth, Lord. And I just pray that your name be glorified through my listeners, through the body of Christ, through this ministry, that you use us, Lord, mightily for your glory to save many, many souls, that if there are any Catholics listening to this, it was not my intention, Lord God, to offend them, but to give them the truth. The truth that is clear in the Bible. And not to point people to the Catholic Church, but to point them to the Word of God. The Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I pray to God that you give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. And that you forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, or form, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. That the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. That any and all curses that we might have brought upon ourselves, Lord God, would be broken. And that if there's anything in our lives that is bringing a curse on us, that you would convict us of exactly what we're doing or what we have brought into our house or our possession or maybe our own actions to bring us into bondage, or to bring a curse upon ourselves, and that you would remove those things, and that we would be obedient to you, whatever you tell us to do, that you would put the body of Christ in a position of strength, and not of weakness, regarding the days and times to come, that we would prepare exactly as you would have us to prepare in our own respective situations, that you would hide us from the secret counsel of the wicked and from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity who wet their tongue and bend their bow to shoot their arrow, even bitter words that they may shoot in secret in, at us in private. I pray to God you would hide us from these things and that you would deal with the wicked. Why? That all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider of your doing, that the righteous would be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and all the upright in heart would glory. That many would be saved as a result of you doing this, that fear would fall upon 
the unsaved in the body of Christ, and that many would be converted. So we thank you, Lord, for all your goodness, all your mercy, all your benefits that you've given us. I pray your angels would encamp around about the body of Christ, my listeners, this ministry, and that you use us mightily for your glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.